Hello, I'm Katie Wilcox, Operations Executive at Society for the Environment, and I am delighted to welcome you to a special episode in our podcast series, EnvCast, Environmental Professionals in Conversation. In the UK and beyond, the Society for the Environment champions World Environment Day, a UN initiative which takes place on the 5th of June each year. World Environment Day provides a platform for global education and inspiration, shining attention on a particularly pressing environmental theme. This year, the global theme for World Environment Day is Only One Earth, sending the simple message that this planet is our only home, and we must live in a way that protects it for today and into the future. The theme has its roots in history, as 2022 marks 50 years since Only One Earth was the motto of the 1972 Stockholm Conference on the Human Environment, and then the theme for the very first World Environment Day in 1974. We hope this special podcast will help stimulate action to help protect the environment. After all, there is no planet B. To kick things off, I am pleased to introduce Dougal Driver CM, Vice Chair of the Society for the Environment, who will be conducting this special interview. Dougal is a chartered environmentalist via the Institute of Chartered Foresters. Among his many roles, he is Chief Executive of Grown in Britain, focusing on supporting our homegrown forest product supply chains. He also chairs several forestry committees, advises ministers, wildlife trusts and private companies on the organisational and environmental strategies. In addition, Dougal is the World Environment Day lead at the Society, which makes him the ideal chair for this special episode of the podcast. I am also delighted to introduce today's interviewee, Andrew Marlowe, CM. It's great to have him on the podcast. Andrew has a working history with the Environment Agency, the United Kingdom Accreditation Service and Barhale Tramps Utilities. He is currently an independent consultant providing expertise to clients in carbon and energy reporting and the development of environmental management systems to a number of organisations. He works with accreditation bodies to assess certification bodies and is the UK technical expert for the verification and validation of environmental information and sits on a number of international organisation for standardisation working groups. He is a full member of the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment and a registered IEMA environmental auditor. Welcome Dougal and Andrew. I will now hand over to Dougal for the interview. Thank you, Katie. Really looking forward to this discussion today with, with Andrew Marlow. Um, um, Andrew, I'd, I'd like to kick off uh, by, by asking you to, to say a little bit about yourself, but actually what I'm really interested in is how did you get into the environmental profession in the very first place? Oh, right. Uh, that's an interesting question there. Um, I, when, when I was younger, I don't think the environmental profession was an option you know, it was maybe working in Woolworths, maybe working in uh, banks and various other professions that were eminently uh, more uh, more identified as professions. Um, I, I started off as a, a chemistry graduate, and I very much wanted to work in the chemical industry. Um, and, and at the time, I did know about pollution incidents from the chemical industry and things like this. And I think that rather put me off wanting to work directly in the chemical industry. And my, my first employment was with uh, Southern Water, one of the water utility companies. And I, I, I was at the forefront of taking samples and monitoring pollution from other companies. And it, it got me thinking that 
you know, this is a worthwhile profession to be involved in, something that not only gives you an interest and stimulates your mind and, 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 and gives you a buzz each day, but also something that can help others. And I'm very much a help other kind of person, if you like. So the opportunity to be able to, you know, protect others from pollution or to ensure that their water quality was uh, drinkable really resonated with me. And then, you know, I, I've moved on from the water company, although I came circled back in it uh, just recently in the last five years. And uh, I then became a regulator working in one of the predecessor bodies before the environment agency, making sure that waste wasn't uh, fly tipped in places where waste shouldn't be found, dealing with hazardous waste, which again sort of resonated with my chemical background and uh, my, my interest in chemistry. And um, then moving on to the environment agency, trying to help businesses to understand about their pollution uh, problems that they might have, but also about sustainability, how they, they, they could benefit. It wasn't just a, a cost implication upon their business. It was actually something that could uh, positively uh, deal with their profitability yeah. or deal with their improvement in their processes. So uh, the environment agency was uh, an opportunity to get involved in those areas. And then if, if, if I can continue that, I also then moved on to um, work on a couple of projects with the Environment Agency, trying to help um, Poland and Hungary uh, accede to the European Union and uh, trying to transfer not only my experiences, but other colleagues within the Environment Agency and their experiences to those countries to help them, if you like, meet those final hurdles of getting into the European Union. So, uh, that, and, and it was a cross-fertilisation project as much as anything. We got to learn a lot about what they were doing, and it wasn't always behind what we were doing. In some cases, it was very much in the forefront uh, of, uh, of um, the leading edge of encouraging businesses to, if you like, transfer fines for pollution uh, rather than giving it to the the chancellor of the country and going into the general coffers for the economy. It was something that they actually ploughed back into improving the pollution abatement equipment and, uh, you know, generally uh, enhancing the environment in and around the factory. So, you know, there were things that only now we're starting really to adopt in, in, in our regime as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to, to hear you talk about how you, how you got into it and, um, I was asked a question this morning. I was talking to a government uh, department about about how they can have an impact within their own sort of team and their personal lives. And I was asked a question. Um, it seems there's a lot more incidents reported now, you know, and, and I didn't know the answer. I said I don't know the statistics, but I think that there's a lot more awareness. So maybe the public report things more now because they, ex they expect a lot more from the environment, quite rightly so. But I also said that businesses and organisations understand the penalties a lot more. They're very, they're quite strict penalties now, as I understand it. But I mean, you're you've been in this for a while uh, from the start of your career, and you're still in it now. Would it, would the answer have should the answer have been statistically there is a lot more instances now, or there's less, or there's more reported? Is it is 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 the sorts of things you have to deal with, and you saw. Um, when you mentioned the chemical industry and going into the more of the protection side, 
Is it, it have you got more to deal with now or, or less? I, 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 I would say there's there's been an increase. You only have to look at the environment agency, uh, the way they report uh, pollution incidents from water companies and from the waste industry and other sectors that there is a, a, a rise in pollution incidents. Um, some, right. some of that's promulgated by a reporting mechanism that the environment agency uses to categorise uh, high-level pollution incidents at category one, category two, slightly less so. And both of those uh, can have a detrimental impact on the environment. So it's important to report those to the environment agency and to show that you're taking action on them. And then there's a third and other categories where you don't have to necessarily report them, but there are issues that you still need to deal with uh, in the locality of where that pollution incident is. It's really quite, you know, the theme of World Environment Day this year is only one Earth, which was actually the first theme back in 1974. Um, But it it feels... um, an obvious thing to say it's the kind of thing you might see on a t-shirt only one earth yeah. so it's really quite worrying that it's, it's really quite worrying that you, you're seeing an increase in in the level of instances when it's true that the the the, the, the impact of uh, failing the law is is high um everyone's very aware of there's only one earth which is our theme this year um does it not surprise you as someone in the midst of it that that these things are increasing it surprises me yeah, um, funnily enough, that's uh, the watchword, if you like, uh, Only One Earth, was something that I took as the theme for the naming of my company, uh, One Planet Solutions Limited. So uh, I recognised I needed to find a name <laughs> for the company, and uh, that resonated with me and it's resonated yeah. with my, my clients. So we only have that one planet to live yeah. on, and we need to make sure that we have solutions to how we're going to best live on that that planet, whether it's population control, whether it's biodiversity, whether it's pollution incidents we're talking about now, and climate change and all the other myriad of environmental issues that you have to deal with. And you know, only recently I've, I've dealt with a pollution incident before we came on to this, uh, to this podcast call about uh, some uh, organisation was, uh, my, my kind organisation, was using uh, diesel to provide pumping facilities in a remote location. And given that the value of diesel nowadays, uh, it's a highly stealable thieving activity going on out there. And the client, I must admit, was a little bit less than prepared because this uh, metre cube of uh, diesel was left on its trailer. So it was that much easier for someone to hook up I guess the Land Rover or something, and and just take it away and just leave it. But uh, it, it had two implications: uh, that there was some diesel spillage in the local area, but also the pumping that was an important part of the process couldn't take place, and that caused, in its own right, a pollution incident. So, unfortunately, uh, it wasn't one of the higher categories that I mentioned earlier, but uh, still, it required some local attention and. Uh, I was up at 4.30 in the morning dealing with that for several hours in the day. No rest for the wicked, but um, good, for, good Good. that there are people out there like you to, to, to run to the rescue. Um, I don't need to, uh, I hope I didn't sort of cartoonise that at all because it's absolutely vital. And actually, I was going to ask you, um, 
being a chartered enver- environmentalist, I'm a, I'm a chartered environmentalist. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I come from a forestry background, which is, is I guess, quite niche in some respects. You might argue mm-hmm. in that there's, there's not a vast number of foresters. Uh, we don't have vast amounts of forestry. Actually, I found that being a chartered environmentalist has get, get, got me to get to know people like yourself across different disciplines and really open my eyes up. And I'm a big fan of collaboration across across disciplines. But um, what about yourself? Being, you know, how important has being a chartered environmentalist been to you and helped you? Again, arguably, you're perhaps in a, in a niche field within the environmental profession. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, being a chartered environmentalist has brought uh, benefits to me and the people that I interact with, whether they're clients or, uh, you know, other other local concerned citizens. Um, it, in, in the first instance, I think it gives you a, a recognition, a sort of warm feeling that you're part of something bigger, that you've you've got that qualification, if you like, but it's not the be all and end all. It's it's something that is still part of your journey as an environmentalist. So I very much value the opportunity of knowing that I'm part of a, a wider and, as you said, broader church of environmentalists. And yeah. uh, it, it, it 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 sometimes is difficult when people look at, say, my email uh, subject lines, or they look at uh, sorry my email signatures or they look at some report that I write and I put uh, C end at the end of it, end of my name, and they ask, what is that? You know, And I explain it's a chartered environmentalist qualification. And for some of them, they don't actually know that that exists. They're, they're well aware of yeah. chartered accountants, chartered engineers, chartered yeah. most other professions. And I, yeah. I still think we have a communication gap to put, put it out there that you know being a chartered environmentalist is – a real thing, if you like, and something that yeah. should be considered to be the kind of person you would want to employ either as an employee or as a contractor to be able to help you understand more about your environmental and sustainability concerns. Yeah, really well put. And if if there's anyone listening that, that isn't isn't sure, um, you know, you, you're, you, there are very various routes into being a chartered environmentalist or a registered environmental technician as well as there's, there's there's two ways in and um the your home institution and uh, of which there's uh, you know 20 odd um is a, is a route to that but do look have a look at the SOCM website i mean what i find is that i i say to others actually this is that um if you were wanted to develop your career across different disciplines and you came in say as a forester as i am or maybe you're an uh, in a let's call it a niche area of the environment actually your your base qualification might might pigeonhole you you know you might be considered to be just about water or just about trees or just about pollution or just about energy but if you go in for a sustainability job as a chartered environmentalist everyone is equal you know there's a there's a sort of everyone is equal thing so i think it definitely is good for career progression as well as that that interaction and learning, learning from each other's, but yeah, although there are seven and a half thousand, I think, or more across um, uh, the, the world, um, it does feel uh, one of the best kept secrets, and that's why we're we're doing things like this and learning about your career. So, I'd like I, now. I think I've, I've got down here a note saying highlights. Ask Andrew about some highlights. Um, with all due respect, um, it looks like you've had a good career. There must be some highlights along the way there, Andrew, that um, you might like to share with us. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, the, the earlier introduction, I, I guess I didn't finish that uh, I moved on from the Environment Agency to work with the United Kingdom Accreditation Service, where ah. I was the environmental focus for uh, the accreditation of certification bodies issuing, ah. among other things, ISO 14001 and EMAS and so on, and also dealing with carbon uh, verification and validation as part of the uh, European Union's emissions trading scheme, and uh, I, I, I think there was there was a lot there about um, the way in which businesses see uh, the environment and uh, whether they're looking for a badge on the wall by having a certificate to demonstrate that they are environmentally credible, and whether they're doing that for slightly less than purest reasons that they're doing it just to just to get a contract or just to have another piece of paper to stick on the wall. But whatever their motivation might be, it still rubs off on them that there is something about the environment and there is something there that they need to uh, abide by the requirements of 14001 in order to protect the environment and to maintain their certification. So I think that that holds a, a, a great deal of opportunity out there for businesses large and small to be able to use a framework internally to manage their interaction with the environment whether it's the environment on them or them on the environment there's a lot that can be done to manage those issues and then subsequently after that I did return to work with a tier one contractor to Southern Water so that was my career in full circle if you like where I started yeah. from and uh, I was an environmental manager dealing with pollution incidents, I wouldn't say on a daily basis, but I was the focus for preventing those from happening by reviewing projects and making sure we had the appropriate controls in place, not just for pollution prevention, but also to enhance the projects. When we left the project, we wanted to make the area that we'd been working in a better place than it was when, before we started, should we say. So yeah. there, was, there was a lot that we could do in, in that direction. And then subsequent to that, I've formed myself into an independent environmental consultancy founded uh, One Planet Solutions Limited. And I, I now work with a number of other professionals and uh, chartered environmentalist qualification is something I look for to know that they've been through those steps in their career and that it, it means something, if you like. And I, I, I do appreciate what you were saying, that whether you're a forester or a uh, a, a water engineer or whatever you might be in the profession, that the, there is a wider aspect of the environment and it's good to be able to take viewpoints from others as well as from in your own uh, employment and from within yeah. your own profession. And, you know, to round out what the environment really means because it's all too easy just to focus on a very specific niche part of the environment. But yeah. nowadays what with the... Uh, climate change and, and biodiversity, it's more important than ever to look at the broader concerns rather than the very narrow focus that might be immediately in front of you. That's very, and it's wise, wise words indeed. In, in you mentioned um, the UK accreditation service, UCAS, um, Growing in Britain is a certification body. So, um, and we, yeah. we, we, we've been circling that particular um extra sort of echelon of accreditation and uh, certainly people who audit for us do it so i really recognize the importance of that and we're, we're circling the wagons now a little bit again about uh, dipping our toe in that water but um uh, 
let me just move on if I can from that to cool. um, you talked about engaging and um, uh, reaching out earlier in terms of the SOCEMV and, and chartered environmentalism and those sorts of things. I believe you got a pretty active YouTube channel. Is is that right? Yeah, uh, that's that's correct. Um, tell us tell us a bit more about that. I mean, I'm intrigued, and I I I I, I haven't looked at it. I've I've deliberately not looked at it before interviewing, but I yeah, will do yeah. afterwards. But tell me how that all came about and what you do there. Okay, yeah, no, um, I, for for me, communication about the environment and about what it means and about what I do and what others do, I think, is a very important. Uh, aspect of being a chartered environmentalist and uh, I, I don't think we always get it quite right and you know I, I was reflecting earlier today the Netflix film Don't Look Up was all about communicating something that was a terrible disaster of this big huge chunk of rock coming at us and it was going to wipe us all out and people were debating contrary views to what needed to be done and I, I do think as an environmental profession, we do need to be clearer about the communications and also maybe cut off some of the less helpful discussions when people say, oh, yeah, but climate change isn't real or where's the evidence? I've not seen it. So there's, there's a myriad of evidence out there. And I, I, I thought during my COVID lockdown, I should try and do something in a slightly different direction. I my opportunity for going out and helping clients in a very direct hands-on way was a bit stymied by the lockdown restrictions that we had. And I thought, what, what can I do? And um, uh, my my son said to me rather unhelpfully, you watch a lot of YouTube, Dad, don't you? you know, you're know, you wasting your time watching all these things. And I said, well, no, there's, there's lots of very useful things there, not just about the environment, but about uh, other topics that I'm interested in. And he said, well, why don't you do something yourself? Why don't you tell them all about the environment the way, you know, you think it would be helpful for them? And so I, I started my channel during lockdown. I think we've got probably nearly 80-odd videos up there at the moment, some, wow. some of which are, you know, very, very specific, you know, like uh, what is 14,000 for and is it useful for you? But there's others where I... Uh, went to uh, COP26 to uh, the green uh, event to be able to see what businesses are doing to deal with the very real impact of climate change. And so there's a couple of videos there from my preparation, my going to COP26 and some of the interviews that I had with uh, uh, the people there. Uh, JCB were having an exhibit of some of their diggers that were hydrogen powered and you know the benefit that brings to some of the projects that they're working on and you know seeing the very inspiring work of uh Sainsbury's in terms of the food that we eat and how to make that more climate friendly and or sustainable in in the environment and even uh circling around to younger people there was an exhibit by Microsoft with uh, an Xbox and Minecraft and they were explaining that they were working on a project at, at the time, a little bit hush-hush with the Environment Agency and trying to replicate the uh, floodplain in around uh, Preston up in Lancashire to show what the impact is on the environment and what human habitation has on that water environment and uh, the fact that you could use Minecraft 
as a learning tool, as well as, if you like, a gaming tool, and be able to capture the imagination of yeah. young people in that way. Yeah, it's a big thing. So how do, how do we access the YouTube channel? What should people search in order to make sure they land on your channel and, and not, not Minecraft itself and waste two hours on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I titled it EMS uh, Mastery. Uh, so if you search for EMS, which is Environmental Management and Sustainability Mastery, giving you the tools to be able to master those uh, twin aspects of environmental management and sustainability, then you Brilliant. should be able to find it. And I'm sure I can give a, a link so that uh, it can be linked to the video and the podcast that we're making today. Should we give a challenge to our SOCM colleagues now? And there will be a link that will float up somewhere onto the screen right now that people can see. Or something. Um, oh, that, that might, that might not be good. possible. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 and just, there's uh, an accompanying... Website emsmastery.com that has it, the, the 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 videos in word and picture form. If you find it easier to be able to review information in that way, so we all have different learning styles and uh, video yeah. making one of them. Uh, and indeed, you know, I very much uh, benefit from videos and podcasts. You know, if I'm out on a walk, I catch up on uh, the podcasts from. Uh, the, the society, but also from other providers, IEMA and uh, ENDS and so on. So it's always good to have something to be able to stimulate the mind and keep you current with the issues. Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier I was talking to a government department and um, they, they wanted to know what they could do. And they, they this is a department that actually um, looks after another arm's length bodies for, for government. And, and I said, well, there's a couple of things that the society does actually or has projects around, which is Employer champions, which uh, is is something that businesses can be sort of champion employers for the sort of things that SOCM family cares about. But the another thing was having a chartered environmentalist on a board and a professional environmentalist on on every every board. Um, and I don't know what you know. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But um, it was really interesting them that they they clearly hadn't thought that you know that that was. Um, possible uh, vital uh, necessary and uh, sorry they, they didn't decry it it was more questioning because you can imagine say, well there's only so many places on a board you have the finance person you have the operational person you have the maybe hr you have the ceo you have this that and the other what about the environmentalists and, that, and I, I my my answer to that was well it's either a crisis or it's not yeah you know it's either a crisis or it's not and all those other things are rather insignificant if you if we're actually not around in a hundred years time because it's all too hot so I don't know what your thoughts are on that. That sort of how organisations should, you know, not rely less on people like you and me from the outside, but actually build it into their own, you know, high level, top level systems. Yeah, and and I I think that's uh, the utopia that we should be aiming for. That almost you make yourself and our profession redundant, or at <laughs> least tra transition to something different, if you like. Yeah. So yeah. you know. It, it, in some ways, the other professions that you mentioned, you know, like finance and so on, they always have a seat on the table. And it would it would be really great if the finance person could appreciate the environment just as much as they could appreciate uh, their own financial profession. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure you and others have heard of the triple bottom line and looking at uh, value, not just from a financial perspective. 
But that utopia probably isn't really here just at the moment. And I think it, it is good to have, if you like, hopefully not a token environmentalist, but someone who is there in their own right with their own expertise and their own background, which is at a similar level to the other participants in that committee or whatever that might be, so mm. that they're, they're there to be able to put a very valuable point across. And, you know, to some extent, I, I, I've succeeded probably in two of my clients by making sure that I'm almost redundant for <laughs> their business because they've actually grasped the environmental issues. They, they really get sustainability and they've gone off in a direction and dealt with it. So, you know, one one client I, I mentioned about um, the climate change and how it's important to understand your carbon footprint and be able to mitigate and adapt uh, your processes and procedures to be able to minimise uh, that, that those carbon emissions. And I was I was quite pleased that, you know, I thought, I thought, oh, good, this is going to be, uh, you know, a, 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 a revenue earner for me, lots of work that I could do in and around this area. And I came back in about six, nine months, and they'd already characterised their own footprint. They already had subscribed to the United Nations Climate Neutral Now uh, project, and they were all already buying into the issue of um, offsetting by planting trees in forests and so on. So, you know, they, they, they very much got the issue very much from, you know, the, the small conversation that we had. And, you know, whilst I still feed in the odd useful pieces of information to them, they very much get that issue and they don't need me and I don't really think they need another environmentalist because they get it within the context of their business. But that's maybe a very limited example given that the economy in the UK is built up of many large, medium and small companies who, for them, the environment is not necessarily a pressing issue compared with some of the demands that we've got about energy prices and inflation and all those other economic drivers that seem to keep uh, CEOs up at night. But uh, if the prospects of not being able to get their vital products uh, to market or to get their raw, raw materials because of climate change impacting on them in the next 10 years and their businesses could fundamentally go out of, of operation because of that, then I think they would spend a bit more time dealing with those fundamentals and, you know, building a good sustainable platform for their businesses. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'll get in touch with you separately about um, ca carbon offsetting because uh, I'm involved a little bit in um, new woodlands in the UK for nature-based solutions as well as carbon and many other things. And oh yeah, um, yeah. So really, a really interesting topic that um, Groningen Britain's moved into from existing woodlands and forest products now into woodland creation and and what that can do. Um, and in in that process, I've found I've had to do a lot more collaboration with other professions, um, uh, understanding you know. The investment markets, uh, you know, the, these commercial organisations that might want to offset, um, and understanding um, how how people uh, make decisions around offsetting and mitigation, and it's really really interesting. And I, I think you're right. I think there are leaders and followers, and uh, the the mandatory is important in some respects, and there's there's quite a lot of voluntary voluntary action. 
collaboration is a word I use there. I, I think it's really important. Um, I suspect sometimes in your business, you might be a bit of a lone wolf. You know, you're sort of a, um, working on your own, working directly with, with clients. But do you value collaboration with other professions? Do you, you let go to your client? You describe this lovely situation where they don't need you anymore. Um, do you also bring in, bring in other people to support what you do and work together? Do you think that's important? Yeah, no, I certainly think that's important, not just for my business and, as you were saying, for your business and many other businesses, to be able to have more than the power of one, having the power of many. And uh, there's certain disciplines that I don't profess to have competence in, in terms of an environmental uh, practitioner. So uh, for ecology surveys, I had a client contact me today wanting an ecology survey and I would run that through my business by uh, working with associates to be able to deliver yeah. that project. But I, I don't I don't do that just to add revenue to my business because I could just as easily put that business in contact with the uh, ecologist and just let them run it directly from their company or from their business. But I, I do it when I can add value to the ecology survey. So whilst I'm not an ecologist, I can give extra dimensions to the biodiversity that would work on that particular site, or I can give other issues that would help, say, with climate change mitigation. So uh, mm. very much we have the opportunity to feed off each other. And I, I sometimes think consultancies, particularly one man or one woman consultancies, do tend to try and do everything themselves. And there, there is a great benefit to working with others in an associate form, you working for them, them working for you, and being able to experience a greater diversity of work. And I think that benefits not only the clients, but it also can benefit yourself in your own uh, continuing professional development. I just uh, the power of many. I love it. Um, only we got the only one. We got the only one Earth theme, and maybe it's the it's um, not only one environmentalist one chartered environmentalist so it's not only one earth but not only one chartered environmentalist but we'll link the collaboration with the only one earth um this has been fantastic and and i've, I've got uh, maybe maybe one or two more questions and, and then i think we'll, we'll we'll come to a close so thinking about moving forward andrew you know are you positive about the the future for the the, the earth there only being one of said earth yeah the, I, I i guess um always an optimist maybe through my long time on this planet maybe tinged with a bit of realism um I, I i think we will meet our aspirations to deal with climate change and uh we, we have dealt with many of the pollution incidents from our industrial revolution and uh, the legacy issues that we have from that and that you know we have cleaned up air act we're no longer the dirty man of Europe as we were once coined. So mm. I, I think we've we've come a long way, but we've still got challenges. I mean, there's there's still air quality issues on yeah. uh, in our villages and towns, and that's caused by the motor vehicles and diesel transport that brings the goods to the shops for us to buy, and some of that model needs to be looked at again about how we actually want society to function. Um, 
electric vehicles, hydrogen vehicles might be part of that equation. But ultimately, I think we do need to rethink some of the ways in which we want our society to function. And uh, I'm optimistic that we will meet our our targets, but uh, based on the current climate, I think we've got big challenges. I mean, who would have thought that there would be a major world global pandemic that would affect, you know, every country in the world? Who would have thought that Russia would wage an unjust war in Ukraine and uh, cause problems and shocks and reverberations into the very food that we buy? So, you know, it's not a remote war that we can just look over the fence and go, oh, yeah, but that's not affecting us you know, our wheat and, and other materials or uh, sunflower oil and so on come from those countries or are processed through those countries. So we, 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 we've got issues about how our global economy works. And I, I was recalling just before this podcast, if you, if you think about all the billions of pounds or dollars or yen or euros that have been spent trying to combat uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, and all of the billions that are being ploughed in to help bolster the defences for the Ukraine people. And I'm not saying let's not do that, because I think yeah. it's a very valuable thing to do to, to protect the democracy of a, of a country. But if, if we can mobilise finances and deliver on the needs of those particular issues, then surely we could do something much, much better about the climate change and about biodiversity going forward. And yeah. I, I know some, you know, efforts, some resources and finances are being put in that direction. But by all the reports that I read and the evaluations that I read, you know, it's 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 not enough to meet those aspirations by those target dates. So, you know, we've got to ramp it up, uh, both through governments, but also our own choices that we can make to try to reduce our own carbon emissions. And uh, uh, I I reflect, and I don't think this is a situation that I could sustainably live with as a business uh, going forward. But during COVID times, I probably had to drop my profitability by about 50%, but my carbon footprint went down to approximately one, uh, one tonne of carbon. And that was from something that had previously, when I first started the consultancy, been about 130-odd tonnes. And I was sort of heading down from about 70 uh, the year before COVID struck. So to be at one tonne of carbon shows that it's possible. And, you know, I, I, I can't see it being sustainable because clients already are asking me, to go on site like the pollution incident and like other meetings that I need to have with clients. But it shows that it can be done and we need, as the common expression goes, to you know have a new normal, the way in which we want the business to the our businesses to run and our societies to run. And you know, now's the time, a good time, to have a rethink about what we could do better to improve the delivery of services and and the, the very valuable things that we do as a society against the backdrop of what we can do to reduce our carbon footprint rather than just saying kick it into the long grass for you know 2030, 2040, 2050, 
and yeah. oh dear we missed it you know we've got no planet to live yeah. on anymore yeah absolutely couldn't agree more um and and it does feel like there's an opportunity at the moment because the the world is the world is looking for solutions to these things that have challenged the planet and people people feel they need to connect much more to what's around them you know that's not just unique to this country i'm sure that's global so it does feel like an opportunity time andrew thank you so much for your time really really appreciate it. it's been really really enjoyable to talk to you today and um enjoy world environment day on the on the 5th of june um brilliant that your business is already aligned with the theme um only one earth and um and thank you again yeah and it's been a real privilege to have the conversation today and uh, to build on the conversations that you've had with others leading professionals in the in various different fields at the chartered environmentalist level so uh, i look forward to hearing my wise words being spoken back to me and uh, i look forward to seeing and hearing future podcasts and catching up on the valuable work that others are doing in the environmental field thanks andrew if you're curious to hear more about the Chartered Environmentalist, Registered Environmental Practitioner and Registered Environmental Technician Registers, please take a look at our How to Become and Why Become recorded webinars on our website, socenv.org.uk. Or you can find them on our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, where you will also find a variety of environmental webinar series and various different insights from registrants. To keep up with all of the Society's latest news, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SOCEMV underscore HQ and LinkedIn at Society for the Environment brackets SOCEMV. We'll release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month, so if you're interested in our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through a variety of platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and CastBox. Thank you for listening or watching on YouTube. We look forward to the next episode next month.